0: Thanks for joining us and supporting Vickydo Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness Premium Member. Go to www.dot.vickiedoefitness.dot.com forward slash join again. That's www.dot.vickiedoefitness.dot.com forward slash join and register for a six dollar monthly subscription. And remember. Keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about navigating back into the workplace as we deal with COVID-19. As business owners, how are we being forced into being innovative and creative to keep our businesses alive. Joining us is Alison Wynn, the founder and CEO of her company, The Winning Experience, which is a national event planning agency that plans, designs, and implements customized events. She will give us tips on ways that we can navigate back into the workplace as business owners during this pandemic with creativity and determination. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness.
1: Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward
0: Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicky Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicky Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks Bright. So, how are you? Hey, Vicky
2: Doe, how are you?
0: I am fine, and we are back in the hot seat. <laughs> we are. We took a little break, huh?
2: Yeah, a little one, but we're back.
0: We are back, and today we are talking about navigating back into the workplace as we deal with COVID-19. Now, so many of us as business owners were forced to shut down. Some of us had to cut down on staff and customers, and many of us were forced in being innovative and creating a new look altogether for our businesses. Now, a recent research study conducted a survey of more than 5,800 small businesses. And according to the PNAS, that's Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States of America, they say across that full sample, 43 percent of businesses had temporarily closed and nearly all of these closures were due to COVID-19. Now respondents that had temporarily closed largely pointed to reductions in demand and employee health concerns as the reasons for closure with disruptions in the supply chain being less of a factor. On average, the businesses Reported having reduced their active employment by 39% since January. So, on average, the businesses reported having reduced their active employment by 39% since January. And so the decline was particularly sharp in the mid Atlantic region, and that includes New York City, where 54% of firms were closed and employment. Was down by 47%. Impact also varied across industries with retail, arts and entertainment, personal services, food services, and hospitality businesses all reporting employment declines exceeding 50%. In contrast, finance, professional services, and real estate related businesses experienced less. Disruption as these industries were better able to move to remote production. Now, one thing we can agree on all of this is that that's all of us, including entrepreneurs, all of us, we have been tremendously affected one way or another by this pandemic. And so we have joining us Allison Nguyen who is the founder and CEO of her company, The Winning Experience. And it is a national and meeting event agency that plans, designs, and implements customized events. Allison Wynn, The Winning Experience, has helped with both small and large corporate events, meetings, and trade shows for companies, celebrities, and A-list clients. Now, she is here today today to give us tips on ways that we can navigate back into the workplace as business owners during this era of the COVID-19 pandemic. We definitely, we definitely can't wait to hear what she has to say. Right, Dee? Absolutely. Yes, we cannot wait. And so all of you guys, I want you to make sure you go to our resources page, www.vickidoughfitness.com forward slash resources. And there you will find products and services that will be helpful to you as you embrace a life of health and fitness. Now, we have a variety of items on our resources list for you to check out and try. We have Reebok, Warby Parker, Polar, Polar are the monitors, the tracking devices. We have iRemedy Healthcare. iRemedy Healthcare has been very great because that's where I go and go online and order my um, mask and all of my gloves and things because sometimes Amazon, they run out or it takes forever. But when I go to iRemedyHealthCare.com, they're quick and fast. So, check that out as well. Spanx, we have Spanx, the right stuff. And the right stuff is a um, medical supply company, but for caregivers. So things that you like, um, you know, your glucose monitor to take your blood glucose, they got little monitors, they got the pulse ox monitors that you can put on your finger, things of that nature, they have at the right stuff, you know, canes, walkers, those type of things, we have that, we have access to that, and that's the right stuff. Then Art of Tea, we have Art of Tea also on our resources page and much, much more. So definitely go check it out. But let's talk briefly about yogadownload.com. Yoga Download is the premier online destination for downloading, streaming, online yoga, meditation, Pilates, the bar, and fitness classes, right? And so online, this company has been online, yogadownload.com has been online since um, 2009, and they offer 1,700 plus, so 1,700 plus classes they offer, and they are taught by professional instructors, including world-renowned yoga teachers in the likes of Anna Forrest. So make sure, guys, it's awesome. It's excellent. If you go on the resources page, you can see some of the videos of the professionals teaching yoga. And so make sure, make sure you go to our resources page, www.vickidoughfitness.com forward slash resources and check out all of those products and services that are on our page and remember when you use any of the affiliate links to buy any of the products and services on our resources page you are supporting us here at Doe fitness and what do we always say d thank you thank
2: you thank you for your support
0: thank you thank you for your support can you believe d I was just actually I was writing this script and getting us all ready for today, and I was like, you know what? It's September already.
2: I know summer is over. I mean, that was what I was, you know. I guess it really hadn't hit. You know, you see all these kids getting ready. I mean, going to school, not getting ready to go to school, but going to school. And I'm like, wait,
0: wait,
2: (laughs) just May.
0: (laughs) I know. Just May. I know. And so when you sit and think, you go, okay, so what did I do for 2020? Quarantine and stayed home? <laughs> I
2: know. I mean, I don't know where. Of course, you know, me and, and Dr. Doe, we were, we were in the trenches working. And so maybe that's where the time went because we just kept it moving. It just was no let up, you know. But now school You know, and then here's another thing. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm confused because I see so much on Facebook. You know, these parents are getting these kids out of the house to school. Forget COVID. (laughs) 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 They have these little kids sitting on the steps waiting for the bus. (laughs) I don't know where you all are going, but you got to get the head out of here this morning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And they said, look, we got you some masks. We got you wipes. We got everything.
2: (laughs) of and stuff and these parents have kicked them out
1: the
0: house they're like we tired that's it that's it but some schools you know they still are doing the remote thing where are they Mm-hmm. but that's that's challenging though because you know having your yeah. parents try to engage the, the the kids to sit down in front of the computer and do their lessons that's hard
2: they don't
0: want to and they don't want to they don't want to it's hard yeah, it's hard.
2: It's very hard. I mean, and, and, you know, kids' attention span isn't that great anyway. And the attention span, I imagine, is worth trying to do some, you know, virtual teaching.
0: I know. But we'll see. We, you know, we, we have to try to stay safe. And, and like we know, it's kind of hard for, you know, when you got kids together, it's kind of hard for them to, you to keep them from touching each other. And I don't know. So we, sh- yeah. we shall see, right?
1: <laughs> we shall
2: see. I mean, it's, it's going to be very interesting. And to see how long some of these schools that are open, how long they're going to stay open. The parents better keep the doors of the bedroom still open because <laughs> <'cause, laughs> they might be making a, a circle a circle down there and back home.
0: Big time, big time. No, no, but we do no. want to put kudos out there for you know our teachers and everything. Our... Absolutely. Yes.
2: They are the unsung heroes.
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah, Dee. So how was your week? I know you're gonna you're getting ready to take off, but
2: yeah, I'm getting ready to go on a trip to the Upper Peninsula of um, Michigan. I'm kind of excited about that. But really, mostly nothing. I'm, I've been very actively involved with the Infectious Disease Society of America. I did a webinar last week with the past president of the Infectious Disease Society in another position talking about diversity and equity within the Infectious Disease Society. And also, we had a conversation about structural racism. And what the IDSA did was that they challenged the, the organization to do a 21-day They gave them all kinds of projects. And one of the things out of there, I wanted to mention it on the show today, was there's a podcast called The 1619 Project Mm -hmm. by a woman who is a writer for the New York Times. I guess it came out last year, and I didn't pay any attention to it. But I would encourage everybody to go. It's from the New York Times. Mm -hmm. Just Google it. It's a three-part series called the 1619 Project. The first part talks about, you know, 1619 when slaves came over to this country, et cetera. The second part talks about the economy and the economical impact that slavery had on this country. But the third part was also interesting when it talked about American music and the evolution of blues and jazz and all the. It was really, really interesting. I would say each podcast was about 40 minutes, but well worth listening to. So that was some of the, some things that I did. And also starting to read Isabel Wilkerson's book, Cast, mm-hmm. and Oprah's book now, and a little plug for my former husband, who's now deceased, Al Bright. Mm-hmm. He talks about Al in this book, which it was completely a surprise to All of us, we had no idea. Mm -hmm. Al had an incident here in Youngstown when he was a little boy at a swimming pool. And somehow Isabel Wilkerson found this story in Mel Watkins' book about Youngstown called Dancing with Strangers. So I've been doing a little bit of uh, of reading and listening, you know, kind of thing.
0: And I always remember when we would have our dough parties and Professor Al Bright, he would definitely... Tell us some of the stories, and I remember that story he would tell. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Anybody who's ever been around Al, ever been around him for any period of time, remembers him telling that story and what an impact it had on his life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: So, get he the book.
2: Everybody should go and read
0: it. Yeah, get the book. What is it called now again?
2: It's called Cass, C.A.S.T.E., and essentially she likens the racism and inequities and those things that we see in this country, she likens them to what goes on in India with the different caste systems in India. So it's an interesting I haven't finished reading it yet. It's a so far it's a good read. I wanna, you know, I find myself reading and then wanting to go back and underline. You know how you read yes. like that and read a little bit more and then go back and underline some more. It's one of those she also wrote a book called The Warmth of Other Sons. It came out I don't know, six or seven or eight years ago about the migration of African-Americans from the South to the North. And that was another really good book.
0: Okay. Wow. That's some books that we can can read while we finish this year out.
2: You know, social distancing, quarantining should give us, I mean, I haven't taken advantage of it as, as much as I should. But for those people, you know, it's an opportunity to get some reading done, you know?
0: Yes, and some good literature some good reading some substance with substance you know
2: yes exactly there's a lot of stuff out there
0: yes indeed what is going on this week d every
2: day everything vicky everything
0: everything but we want to make sure that we remind folks that It'll be September in a second, and it is Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month. The American Cancer Society estimates that 22,240 women will be diagnosed with ovarian cancer in the United States, and that was back in 2018. Now, the deaths, they're saying, and this is as of 2018, 14,070 deaths will occur from this type of cancer. And so about half of all the cases occur in women over the age of 63. Now, when you look at the recent research, the American Cancer Society, they are saying that thankfully the rate at which women are diagnosed with this type of cancer has been falling mm-hmm. in the last two decades. So when we talk about ovarian cancer, and this is scary for me always because it really is difficult to detect, you know, especially in the Bury. yeah, Bury. especially in the early stages and this Bury. is this is partly due to the fact that um, the ovaries, two small almond shaped organs on either side of the uterus are really deep within. The abdominal cavity and so the following are often unidentified by women as some of the signs and symptoms of ovarian cancer and when we read through this these these symptoms they're kind of vague you know you can you can be suffering from something else you know but these are some of the signs and symptoms of ovarian cancer bloating
2: exactly
0: yes bloating pelvic or abdominal pain trouble eating or feeling full quickly, feeling the need to urinate urgently or often. And some of the other symptoms will be fatigue or upset stomach or heartburn, back pain, pain during sex, constipation or menstrual changes. If symptoms are new and persistent for more than two weeks, it has been recommended that a woman see her doctor and a gynecologic oncologist before surgery if cancer is suspected. So that's something. But what they're saying, and what all of the healthcare professionals say, that early detection, most especially when it comes to cancer, is key. And so the National Ovarian Cancer Coalition, the NOCC's goal, is to educate communities and increase awareness about the symptoms of ovarian cancer. The NOOCC also provides information to assist newly diagnosed patients, hope to survivors, give them hope, and also to support Caregivers. And so the NOCC is also committed to the advancement of ovarian cancer research. And so their programs are possible only with the help of their staff and volunteers. Committed men and women in communities nationwide are dedicated to the mission of the NOCC. And so we encourage all of you guys, all of you guys that are listening, make sure. If you have any symptoms or think you may, make sure you check with your physician. But also, if you want to find out more about this organization, the National Ovarian Cancer Coalition, make sure you try to connect with them. And what's so cool is that they do have local chapters. So go to the site www.ovarian.org. So what do you say, Dee?
2: You know, I will never forget a patient. And and the thing of it is, in a lot of patients that I have when I did internal medicine and infectious diseases, it's like the the signs and symptoms are just like not there. And then all of a sudden, by the time, and it's kind of like pancreatic cancer, by the time you make the diagnosis, it's stage four. Mm. You know, Gilda Ratner died of this. She was Roseanne, Roseanne Dana on SNL. I'll never forget this first time I heard about ovarian cancer she
1: Mm -hmm. was on the
2: Saturday Night Live one of the original members of Saturday Night Live and you know she died and so many women died they're so young I hated the fact that I didn't hate but when I had a hysterectomy one of the things that I thought about was I don't have to ever worry about uterine or ovarian cancer anymore which again are silent those are silent things that come on and then again also when I listened today on the news with these lawyers, you know, there's that situation of talcum powder associated with ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. And that's scary. And I think, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, because I I love powder, you know, but that's been associated with ovarian cancer. So, yeah, I'm glad that September is ovarian cancer. It'll make women go back to their, even postmenopausal women, to continue to go to your OBGYN doctor and get checked
0: out big time and didn't Gwen Ifill didn't she die of some kind of um... she had
2: uterine cancer okay wow she had uterine cancer yep and a lot of times we ignore, you know, one of the signs for uterine cancer is postmenopausal bleeding. And a lot of women, you know, they might see a spot or something because they're used to, you know, periods and so forth. But they have to understand if you've gone through menopause and you're still having now a little bit of spotting or bleeding, you got to go see your doctor because that's a sign of uterine cancer.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. We just got to be proactive. That's really it. We do.
2: And women tend not to be.
0: Yes, yes. Well, we got another shooting, right, Dee?
2: Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's not like we're becoming numb. but And now it's like, you know, it reminds me of Gil Scott-Heron's song that we used to hear back in the 60s when we were in school and stuff, The Revolution Will Be Televised. And that was way before any cameras or anything like that. And now we're seeing, you know, people bring out their cell phones and we're seeing... Murders and attempted murders and assaults and battery and all this stuff right before our eyes. And it's shocking that we just have a situation where a young man, 29 years old from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, by the way, mm. living in Wisconsin with his family,
1: mm. uh,
2: had three little boys in the car and apparently was going to try to break up a domestic situation. The policemen were allegedly, this is all allegedly, the policemen were allegedly called, and we saw them walking him to the car. It didn't seem like he was giving them any bad, you know, mouth back or anything. And it, to me, unless there was some trick photography, he leaned over in the car, and then you hear, hear gunshots. And um, he allegedly had seven gunshot wounds. It's a miracle that he was alive, an absolute miracle. And I did put on Facebook this morning, I would love to meet the trauma team who took care of this man because he is paralyzed from the waist down. But the fact that he's still alive, I can't imagine Mm. what the damage, the bullet. to him Mm -hmm. and then of course let's not forget his little boys I think they were three five and nine were in the back of the car see I happen to know him uh Ben Crump who is the lawyer for George Floyd's family I'm not sure whether he's representing Breonna Taylor but he's a very high profile attorney I think he was he was Trayvon Martin's lawyer he's a very nice man Mm -hmm. uh went to Went to Morocco with him and his lovely wife,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: you know, anymore, he's gonna have to get about another fifty lawyers and form a, one of, a firm that's bigger than some of the most some of the biggest firms in the United States. If this keeps up,
0: oh, I know, and I think he is. He is representing Breonna, um Taylor. Breonna
2: Taylor, okay, yeah, okay. So, so there it is. So I mean, you know, to ha- and the sadness that goes along with this. You know, he's doing his job, but ha- we have to also remember. A mother lost her son. A father lost his son. I'm not lost. They was injured, and now he, they have to live. He has to live with being paralyzed, trying to raise some kids, raise a family. Under any circumstances, that would be difficult. So, you know, we have to wait for all the facts to come out. Whenever that is,
0: I know, right? Right. I know.
2: All the facts to come out, despite the fact that our lying eyes saw on television what we saw. I know. We're, we're not political on this show, but it's just that, you know, when you see the George Floyd situation that happened, what, a, six or seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago, and now you see this situation, it's hard not to have some kind of feeling, one way or the other. It's just hard to be not any feelings whatsoever. So we'll see what happens with this. Uh, hopefully, fortunately, he's able to live to tell the tale. Right. So many of these people, Breonna Taylor and... And Trayvon and, and, and all these people ha- have not been able to live to tell the tale. So it's the, the policeman's word against a dead person.
0: Right. So we shall see. But here's the problem, though. You know, people are still doing regardless. They are still shooting regardless. That's right. my issue. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're not stopping.
2: They're still shooting and asking questions and trying to figure it out later. I mean, it was a simple situation. He was trying to break up an argument from all of the people that were there. And in fact, I read one that he was relieved when the policeman came, because then he could get up out of there.
0: Right. And, but they uh, ended up shooting yeah. him. do anything. No, they end up shooting him.
2: Yeah, they shot him.
0: It seems like the two women that were, you know, fighting and carrying on, after that, they started blaming each other. Why did you call the police? So... Yeah. Yeah. So it's something. and well, There and it is. There it is. And it, it just makes you, you know, people, of course, they came out protesting, and then that kind of got out of hand. So, you know.
2: Yeah, last night, two people were killed, and several people were injured by a, appears, at least it appears to be a lone gunman, which they said was a, had a long gun. And, again, the revolution will be televised because they had photos of him running through the crowd you know, doing this, and now apparently they've arrested a young man, allegedly, and charging him with first-degree murder. But it didn't have to happen. Mrs. Blake came out on television yesterday and actually told people Mm -hmm. that she didn't really want them to come out and riot. You know, she did not want, this is not what her son wanted and stuff. But, you know, people are angry.
0: Yes, they are. They are. People
2: are angry. And I remember Bakari Sellers this morning said on television that riots, are the voices of the unheard. That's it. Nobody wants to see anybody looting and all of that, but sometimes we focus on the looting and the riots as opposed to what got us to this point.
0: But that's the whole point, what got us to this point. And so I would say that whatever they're working on when it comes to the reforms, you know, they need to get with it because um, people are still shooting and they're not stopping. So Yeah,
2: they do. And apparently they're they're giving these policemen all kinds of um, courses and, you know, de-escalating situations and this and that and this and that. Well, apparently it's not getting to some places like Kenosha, Wisconsin. They're still shooting somebody in the back.
0: I know. With no gun.
2: No weapon. And not even, you know, acting up. No resisting what they weren't arresting him, but no resistance or whatever it was that they... Was doing to him or whatever, just shot him. Just let's just shoot. And you would think, okay, it might be just a lone policeman, but they're doing this in packs. Right. P A C K S. Right. Like wolves. Yes. As far as I'm concerned, they're all complicit. Like when you commit a murder and somebody is with you when a, a murder is committed, that person can get the same sentence as the person who committed the murder. So as far as I'm concerned, None of those policemen tried to de-escalate the situation from what we can see, from what we can see. As far as I'm concerned, they were just as as complicit in it as as the guy who pulled the trigger.
0: And most of the situations that we've seen that's similar and the other police, they're all together and no one is, you know, trying to chastise or pull away or something. No. They're not doing that. They're complacent, like you said. So they all should go. They all should get punished. But no one's getting punished. So
2: No. And for anybody to be punished, it takes forever.
0: I know. And here's the thing. It
2: takes forever.
0: Here's the thing, though. You know, most people say, oh, well, we need our police. Yes, we do. We do need our police. Yes. Yes, they are protecting us. But what about these that are shooting folk that don't have a gun that are...
2: Let's face it. You got some rogue cops. You got some cops that are rogue. That that are bad cops, as we say. They're bad cops. Most of the cops are generally good. We need them when we're involved in on real accidents or when somebody's trying to break in our house or whatever, what have you. Yes, we need them. I'm calling 911. Happy to see them driving up the driveway. But by the same token, among their midst, they got some bad apples.
0: That's it, and then you know, since I'm African American and I'm calling for their help, I don't want them to make a mistake and hey. think I'm I'm the one and, and shoot me.
2: Right, you gonna shoot me when you I've called you for help? <laughs> I end up getting shot. So yeah, but I, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention one other thing that has hot topic that's happened over the last few days, Vicky. Okay. Is the moral majority, the right Reverend Jerry Falwell. Ooh. And his, uh, <laughs> the right, the right, the good right Reverend Dr. Jerry Falwell Jr., moral
1: majority. <laughs>
2: Has fallen, so to speak, from grace, and apparently there was some freakiness involved in this situation that has led him to resign from the university that his father found. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll have to. See what happens with that situation because they've been playing all kinds of clips about how he in the 2016 he was one of the spokesmen for the Republican Party and you know people are uh, having fun with this but I I you know if people want to get their freakiness on whatever but don't stand up in the pulpit and tell us not to do this that and the other and that's where that's going with that and if he forgives his wife or whatever in the pool man it's just so ridiculous. I mean, it's just so—it's just so convoluted that I lose track. But the, the good, right Reverend Doctor Jerry Falwell
1: is no longer
2: president. But let's get back to the issues at hand of police brutality, and like you said, you call for help, and you end up as the one that gets shot. I uh,
0: know the Falwell guy. Uh... Come out, come out, wherever
1: you are. <laughs> I mean, you know,
2: and it was just so... So I you will know, not pass judgment on anybody, whatever. But it's it's different if you're getting in the pulpit and you're telling people, and now you we people find out that you're doing the opposite of what you're telling people to do. So it's just you know the the evangelicals or anybody else that promotes themselves or you know how you, you you found people that are you know the the most outspoken people against child. Pornography and this that and the other end up being pedophiles, secret pedophiles. You know how that works.
0: Oh, I know. Here right. In
2: other places. Right. I hope that he and Mrs. Falwell and the pool guy are able to <laughs> kumbaya.
0: <laughs> what they say. It is what it is.
2: It is what it is.
0: It is what it is.
2: You no, know, it is. It is. <laughs>
0: What's the latest? Do you have some latest on the vaccine? Well, or so the
2: latest in terms of COVID is that I do believe we're getting closer to a vaccine. There have been some holdup in the fact that I was discussing this on a webinar last week that we don't have enough black and brown people volunteering for these clinical trials. And my response was, you know, all of a sudden pharmaceutical companies and these researchers are having an aha moment that, black and brown people are not going to dash in and rush to be in a clinical trial when they're still getting over the Tuskegee experiment, where a lot of young people don't know what that was. It was a situation where the government had penicillin, and they sent in doctors from the government, and there was a black nurse that was involved. I think there was a black physician that was involved, in addition to a white physician. Mm -hmm. And they, they gave some of the men who had syphilis penicillin to cure them, and the other men, they withheld treatment because they wanted to see what happened what the ultimate outcome of somebody having syphilis would be. Mm -hmm. And that just came to light. It was in the 40s when penicillin came about. And what they did in Alabama just came to light in 1972. So we're talking people that's been a a little under 50, 50 years, a little under 50 years ago, and people remember that this happened. So, Who is going to dash and run the dash into a clinical trial, which is why they haven't done the messaging that they've needed to do, the education. They just say, oh, okay, by the way, we're getting ready to do this vaccine here. We want you to come and volunteer. Well, no. I
0: know. know. Black and
2: brown people are not going to do that because Mm -hmm. we've heard of so many other things. You know, like I said, the messaging was wrong. They went about it all the wrong way. They should have thought, well, we're going to need some underrepresented minorities in these clinical trials. We better fast track some messaging through through outlets, through media, through social media, through Facebook, through D banks coming on, or Vicky Doe having the podcast and talking about why clinical trials are important. No, you just say we got this, and like paternalistic or maternalistic attitude, you need to volunteer for this. Well, no.
0: So I don't know.
2: There it is. There it, it is. What it is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Once again,
1: right?
2: Once again. So now they stop until they can get enough people signed up because they can't proceed with a vaccine that is affecting disproportionately black and brown people. You can't come out with a vaccine that hasn't been tested in those individuals. So that may be on back order for a little bit until they can get enough people to sign up.
0: I know, and it, it has to be more than two.
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> okay, well. Thank you, Dee. I'll
2: keep everybody up
0: on that. Oh yes, thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Doctor Vicky Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Now, today we're talking about navigating back into the workplace as we deal with COVID-19. And a recent research study conducted a survey of more than 5,800 small businesses and, according to PNAS, across the full sample, 43% of businesses had temporarily closed and nearly all of these closures were due to COVID-19. Now, Allison Wynn, the CEO of her event planning company, The Winning Experience, will share with us her story and give us some tips on how as business owners, we can be creative and navigate back successfully in the workplace during this COVID-19 pandemic. Now, let's listen to Allison Wynn. Here with us today is Allison Wynn, who is an extra creative woman entrepreneur. She's a renowned leader in the event planning profession and the founder and CEO of The Winning Experience. Now, The Winning Experience is a national and meeting event agency where Allison and her team plans, designs, and implements customized events to reflect a client's brand and values. Her work includes planning and activating both small and large corporate events, meetings, and trade shows across the country for an A list of companies celebrities and national events and conferences. Allison Nguyen will be sharing with us her inspiration for creating such an amazingly successful business, ways we can navigate back into the workplace as business owners during this era of the COVID-19 pandemic. Allison will also be giving us some tips on what we can do how she herself and other business owners myself how we can deal with all the things that we're facing and she's going to give us tips and ways that we can still be proactive and handle our business so how are you Allison
2: <laughs> I am well and thank you so much for that amazing introduction but Oh, uh, yeah, we are all hanging in there and doing what we do.
0: So what do you say, D? We're happy to have you.
2: We miss you in this area, but we know you're doing great things out there in the Chi-Town area. Yes, it. Thank you, Dr. D. I appreciate that.
0: So, Allison, you have been on the show in the past, and we are thrilled to have you as our guest again. And so for today's audience, can you update us on who you are and how you got started in the exciting business of event planning.
2: Absolutely. But I guess the first thing I did say was hello to the two of you. But the second thing I would like to add is it's always such a pleasure to talk to the two of you and be on the show. So thanks again for having me back. And I always look forward to Oh, thank you. I always look forward to spending time with these two ladies.
1: So let's
2: just start from the beginning. The winning experience was, say, birth and created in New Orleans, Louisiana, one of my favorite places on this earth. We used to live in New Orleans and I always had a passion for planning parties and events. I was always the one that would plan someone's party or plan this or plan that, have people over for a cookout or whatever the occasion. I was always that go-to person. So after a journey through a couple of different careers and uh, we landed in New Orleans, I thought to myself, what better time and or place and space to create an event planning company because no one does events and parties like the city of New Orleans. I think we can all agree on that. Mm hmm so started it there, started uh, a dear friend of mine who I actually just met in New Orleans, her name is Fayla Meyer, introduced me and recommended me for a national conference to be their on-site planner. And basically, that's what started the whole experience of winning with Allison, and I was... Uh, sole-person planning event. I must say, my first experience was with Liberty Bank & Trust, which is a Black-owned bank in New Orleans, and it's still there today. And they actually gave me my very first planning experience. And from there, we have just, you know, I had peaks and valleys. Event planning is one of those businesses that thrives when the economy is doing well, and it's tough when it's not. So we've certainly had ebbs and flows, been able to survived them all. We're still here after 20 plus years. But I will say COVID-19 has really called for a major pivot, transformation, reimagine, whatever you want to call it, that you have to do Mm -hmm. to exist. That's what we have done. But it's been, you know, it's been a journey. I don't think I would change a thing that's happened. I've learned a lot. Uh, I continue to learn a lot. And we have basically started a brand new business, still event planning, but it's all virtual. And now we're moving into more hybrid events, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a combination of on-site and live streaming that we do, Mm -hmm. uh, where a few people will gather, not many, and we just stream it out to a live audience. And we are, we are able to do a few more of those now that people are, you know, gathering in small groups, but, We have been involved in very large events over the years, and to be honest, there's a lot of information out there. When will we go back to a events? Both of you ladies Mm -hmm. work in a similar space in that, you know, you interact with people. Of course, Dr. Banks, you see and you are infectious disease
1: specialist, Mm -hmm. so
2: you see firsthand what we're all dealing with. And of course, Dr. Vicky, you same thing working in the university setting. So I, I don't know when people will feel comfortable. We've done a number of surveys to people that we have worked with and been a part of our our planning process and actually engaged and attended. And everybody still right now is a little iffy about if they're ready to be amongst thousands of people and in, in the same space. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that just as I was coming here to do the podcast with you um cnn reported and you know i was thinking out because i had called some friends today and i said you know i'm going on vacation friday you want to get together just social distance and they were like no no we're not we're not coming out well they just cnn just today said that there was a wedding that happened maybe about a month ago and they have i forget how many people were there but they did contact tracing and a Significant number of people there were became positive, but more importantly, there were people that became positive who weren't even at the wedding from people who were at the wedding. That's how they did the contact tracing, and sadly, they have had a couple of deaths from that. So after that, I was saying to myself, well, maybe my friends are right. Uh, well, I'm running right back in. So I think you're right. People are still afraid. Rightfully, you know, rightfully so. Rightfully so.
1: Mhm.
2: I think people so, are feeling that there are. Well, I was just gonna say for those people out there too in our audience. You know, when we talk about event planning, I mean, not that I want you to go line item by line item, but exactly what do you do? And that's a big question. That's a big question amongst my colleagues and planners. You know, we can do the social distancing. We can put people in a ballroom and provide the adequate space, hand sanitizer, mask, have all those things uh, available there on site just in case someone forgets or, you know, leaves home without a mask. But you have people who refuse to wear a mask. It's it's hard to manage a situation when you have people who don't want to abide by the rules because it's not about an individual. It's about that person potentially exposing people and isn't just like you said the tracing all these things that we I think that we need to make people feel a bit more comfortable we just aren't seeing it yet and that gives people pause you know Dr. Banks you just mentioned you were talking to some friends early about maybe getting together I called a couple of my buddies here we used to do wind down Wednesday we would get together you know after work and so I mm-hmm. thought perhaps maybe, and it's just two other people, I was like, hey, you all want to get together on the deck, social distance, and just mm-hmm. have a conversation? And they said, absolutely not. We're not doing that Ooh. So, Ooh. and that's just two people, two. It mm-hmm. would have been a total of three people. Mm-hmm. So I just think people are going to have to have a more of a comfort level. But on the other side of that, you have people who are ready to gather and socialize. But if you're supposed to keep the distance, how do you keep people safe when everyone's not necessarily going to abide by the same rule? And that's the big question. I mean, we can talk about as planners all day and put in safety measures, but if you have people who show up and don't want to do it, I mean, how do you handle that? I mean, yeah, you turn them away, then there's an argument, then you know, one thing leads to another. So I think, especially for our clients,
0: specifically,
2: we work with a lot of corporations. I just don't think a lot of people are are right now willing to take on the risk.
0: Right. That's the key. Because people can sue, you know.
2: Right. There's always that, you know, the small print that says, you know, if you come here, you get it, we're not responsible. Well, we all know that that can be in the small print, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be challenged. Mm -hmm. And exactly. At the end of the day, who wants someone's death, what could have been prevented? Like, who wants to take on that responsibility? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's right. a lot more factors that now we have to think about. Have Has you that seen enough? a surge in the Zooms? I don't think I've done more Zooms in my entire life and WebEx and all of that. Are these people getting wealthy? or Is that what, what you've <laughs> had to resort to for a lot of these events now? So we don't use Zoom, but yes. I mean, Zoom, I'm sure their stock is probably going through the roof, but uh, we use another platform for our events and meetings and webinars that we host for our clients. But it's just, you know it's a similar process, a different tool. But yeah, I think what we are having to do first, it was, okay, we need to get people together, bring them here in this virtual space. But now, because everyone is Zoomed out and virtually exhausted, <laughs> no one wants to, you know, you remember when Zoom first started and you would get together with your friends, let's do Zoom and have the yeah, hour. hour. Yeah. Everybody's all excited. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. no, not anymore. <laughs> no.
0: I know, right? So
2: we have a job as a planner for these virtual events to be engaging. So not only are we uh, responsible for delivering content, a message, but we also have to deliver excitement via a tool that that has exhausted the whole population.
0: Thinking of creative stuff, I mean, creative. yeah, for creative stuff, if you do an event, are you still going to have the live music, how long you got to play the music? Because a lot of people are not going to sit up there and look at something for for what? 30 minutes that's music unless there's someone there to make them dance with it in their living room. I mean it's a lot of stuff you got to think about with the virtual stuff, right?
2: Absolutely because when you're in a in a space where we have your attention captured and you're looking at a stage and you have your friends next to you, it's a bit different because you're out having fun. So, mm-hmm. we don't mind necessarily having to figure that part out. Mhm. What we have a little bit more, what takes a little bit more planning and thinking through is competing with the dog running in the room, your kids coming in the room, the person watching television. There's so many more distractions. Mm -hmm. So our job is how do we keep people engaged?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I
2: was watching a, um, I I can't say which candidate, but there was a, a fundraiser that my sister was involved with. And so, the what did you get for your contribution? Well, it was a big night of the famous DJs from all over the country doing a virtual, you know, sing, playing music, the whole bit. Now, you know, as you know, Allison and and Vicky, too. Nobody loves dancing and music more than I do. (laughs) I got utterly bored. There were all these, you know, there were all these great DJs and stuff, and DJ Khalid or whoever. But I just couldn't watch it anymore. I, I, I just, the concept of just sitting there, like you said, there wasn't anybody here, couldn't dance by myself. So, yeah, what do you do? And and, and I think the people that had that fundraiser thought, wow, this is going to be a really good idea. I didn't talk about it with anybody else. But I wonder if, like you said, that's not the answer either. Right. I mean, you really have to think through your like your end game. Like really what do you want to accomplish? So a couple of things that when I talk to potential clients or clients, one of the main things that we like to make sure that people understand is what you do live and in person does not translate to a computer screen. It just does not. You can't do things the same way. You can't keep people captured in a space for hours. It's not a conference. This is not you know, you're not going to a hotel or some, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lovely place to have uh, on-site meeting. So you have to mm-hmm. really think about what's the message you want to convey in a short period of time. Because you only have a short period of time because people, attention spans, we thought it used to be short. <laughs> right now. It's really it short. Even like off- I don't think it's on the radar. Like if you think about, you know, of course today the things that we're focusing on, what's happening in the world, you know, just there's so many things that that's happening. It's just hard to keep people's attention. You know, we're in a really uh unfortunate place in our country. People are losing jobs, you know, all these things are happening and then we wanna put a DJ on, right? <laughs> that doesn't right. Like yeah, we have to make sure that it's something that will allow a person to escape from all these things happening in our heads.
1: Oh,
0: I know. And
2: it's it can be a very tough challenge to mm-hmm. come up with things that are creative and add value to someone's day.
0: What kind of suggestions and some examples of what you've done? Maybe at least one or two.
2: Okay, because that's what you pay me for. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Giving away your secret <laughs> I at, know, least, I at least one. Dr. B I can't I can't give away the secret sauce. You gotta The secret, secret sauce, that's <laughs> it. We understand. So first I would always suggest know your audience. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of tricky now in a virtual space because unless you have a private link and you are you know, it's a private event. Anywhere, anybody in the world could be watching, mm-hmm. but mm. as much as you can, understand who you are speaking to, because once you can define your audience, you can create, it helps you to create the experience. So one of the things that we always suggest is when we talk about engaging, that means you've got to keep your virtual audience active. You mm-hmm. want to know if they're paying attention. So what's a few things that you could do so you know that people are listening? And we all know what this one thing is I'm about to say because we all love it: is It's giveaway free stuff. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so most of the platforms allow you to do chats or ask questions or things can pop up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe it's a question about your brand. And so and if a person answers, you know, comes up with the correct answer, you give them a prize that's valuable, right? Mm-hmm. So when you are promoting your event or wanting people to engage, talk about what you're going to do, talk about the giveaways. Don't give away a car, you know, of course everyone would love that, but I know, right? But make it enticing, you know, make it like so people will be listening. And so then that way throughout your event, you can have pop-up questions people are really loving these games that are bouncing in and out of these virtual events, anything that keeps a person active and engaged because if they know there's a prize at the end, mm-hmm. a lot of people will stay around on the flip side. If you are planning a fundraiser, for instance, for a nonprofit, whatever the ask is, make sure you ask within the 30 minutes of the event because One, if it's a fundraiser, people know that they are logging on because you are raising money. But make sure in that first, like when you have the audience captured, you ask them for what you need and what you want. Mm -hmm. Because 45 minutes into it, you've probably lost most of the people who have shown up for your fundraiser. Pretty much. (laughs) Those are three. Keep in mind, know your audience, keep them engaged. Giveaways are a great thing. They're a great thing uh, to do, live events, and they're an even better thing to do with virtual events because it keeps people engaged. Play some games. There's tons of virtual games out there that you can engage your audience in, and you can make those games, tailor it towards whatever your event is. Even what we are finding with celebrity hosts and celebrities popping in these events, Mm-hmm. Not so much. They don't seem to add a whole lot of value.
1: Hmm. It,
2: but it depends on who that person is and what they are going to do. But with the lobby event, people love it when we bring in celebrities. And maybe it's because they can touch and feel right maybe because they're in a the same space.
0: And we are we are touchy feely people anyway, so yeah.
2: Yes. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Mhm. You've done some pretty exciting events. Which one, we mentioned the Essence Festival, Super Bowl, Oprah's Live, Your Best Life Tour, which one of these three gave you the most unique experience or that you had the most fun with or, and maybe it wasn't the most challenging, but the most fun with? Well, um, I would say all were fun, fun in an event planner <laughs> <Fun>. <laughs> with every event that you do because you have a plan. I'm Always telling people to have about forty-nine plants, all solid. <laughs> <laughs> is that like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, back? Yes, program? yes. Because best believe you go get if you have forty-nine, you probably gonna use thirty-nine <laughs> of them before it's all finished oh <laughs> But I always try to have fun, no matter what I do, even in the midst of stress. I had a a, a fortunate situation when I. Well, in the first five years of me being a planner, it was an invited guest to a project, and he literally screamed at me and hurt my feelings so bad. I went in the bathroom and cried, and this was like during – I was working. I went in the store, and I was like boo-hooing because he just hurt my feelings so bad, and I just decided in that moment, like, this would never happen to me again. Like, it's not going to happen. Like, this is a job. It's not – you know, I, I had I had to, like, toughen up at that point. And literally, it has never happened to me again. Although, I will say, so I am a Christian, and, you know, revenge is not something that, you know, I'm supposed to be. That guy who did that ended up getting fired the next week because the thing is, you never oh, wow. know who knows somebody else. Oh. Yeah. So you never you never know. just so happened, a friend of a friend of mine actually was a part of the company this guy worked for. And I basically said, this is what happened. Two weeks later, now it probably wasn't because of what happened with me, but the guy did lose his job. Back to your question about best fun—I don't—they—they all—they all have their own challenges and fun. I would say when I did that Oprah Live Your Best Life tour, that was pretty exciting because it was Oprah, right? Although we were not hired by Oprah to work on that project, we were hired by a sponsor, and that's how we worked on the project, but. You know, just to see her live, it was my first time seeing her live and in person.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I understood the charisma of Oprah. Like, I, you know, you, I, there are certain people you see live, and you're like, oh, wow, I get it. I see why people are drawn to certain people. Uh-huh. So that was fun. Essence is always fun. It's always a fun opportunity to be in New Orleans when it's 300 degrees.
0: That's <laughs> I, it, right?
2: I was going <laughs> to. I remember New Orleans in late July. It had to be one of the hottest places on the planet. I know, right?
0: Big time. And you out there dancing in it? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so.
2: <laughs> I know, right? Like, you, you take, like, three or four showers, because every time you walk out, you're, like, Yes. yes. You're soaking wet. Yes. And Super Bowl projects are always fun as well. We actually, our last project for 2020 was a Super Bowl project. So we worked on a project for one of our clients. We were in Miami, and that was actually the last in-person project that we did in 2020. I remember that. So, I do remember that. Yeah, and we were looking forward to possibly working on that project again uh, in 2021. But I don't think anyone, I don't believe that the Super Bowl is going to happen in 2021 with, the, you know, the way that it normally happens. I don't think that's I mean I, I sure I certainly hope that I'm wrong but but it's almost September.
0: Yes it is. And
2: yeah. we can't even get a hundred people in one space, so imagine Right. Having
0: I know. thousands of people event
2: like that. But typically for an event like that, or let's say Essence, is it a year planning typically? Yeah, for the festival itself. Like I'm sure they are probably planning for Essence twenty twenty one right now. But who knows? I mean, New Orleans is one of those hotspots. You know, we can be hopeful. We can be certainly hopeful that things change. I guess I'll ask you a question, Dr. D. Banks. What do you think about Uh a vaccine? You know, I'm hopeful. Um, I'm liking, well, that's a two-pronged answer. Number one, I think we're going to come up with a vaccine. The data is looking really good with the monkey data, and they're in clinical trials now. Of course, you had to hold up a little bit because they were not getting a diverse group of people in the vaccine trials. Well, duh, I mean, black and brown people are still reeling from the uh, Tuskegee experiment, and now you're telling them that you want a lot of black and brown people to become part of a clinical trial. That just wasn't translating, but I think they're working through that. But the second part of it is, and I think they're going to be able to allocate resources for enough so that it'll be like that Sunday in 1962. I remember when we all stood in line and we had mass vaccination for polio. The problem is going to be because there's so much mistrust of the government right now. I mean, you can see the CDC changed their guidelines today on testing. And where did that come from? Well, we hear that it's coming from the top. So who's going to trust a vaccine not having side effects? when a vaccine comes out and it's pushed through quickly by the FDA, and they said oh you know we're pushing this through quickly this is a great vaccine well great the good news is it might protect you from getting coronavirus the bad news is you're going to turn into a werewolf in about three weeks so (laughs) you know people i'm not i i personally let me say on radio and television land, I will not be one of the first people running out there to take the vaccine. It will have to be for me i I have to set a number, and that's a million people
0: That's how I feel, you know because we will see. but if people start doing the the vaccines and at least we kind of putting that under control, then I still will think that. People, just their psyche, we still are going to be screamish about going to a place where there's a lot of people, I think, for a while, at least for another year or two. That's, that's what I think.
2: I, I think so, too. I would agree. So that's one of the reasons that we are, we are really working hard on our virtual mm-hmm. uh, capabilities and, and having the conversations with our clients. So that for now, we can offer and we do offer a virtual and a hybrid option. Okay. And when the time comes, we are certainly ready to go back, you know, full in-person planning. But for now, I think we all feel like this is the
0: best option for safety reasons. So tell me, though, as we wrap up here, a lot of Networking goes into definitely into business, but definitely into um, event planning. And so tell us a little bit how the power networking, how it has impacted your success with the winning experience by the way i love that name the winning experience you might have to do a whole story on how you came up with that name but first (laughs) first first answer the the power of networking and what it means how it has impacted your success
2: networking is key to any success i will say it's a, a bit harder now uh we do A lot of phone calls, a lot of virtual conversations, just sort of one-on-one. And that's how we are networking, you know, as an agency to increase our, you know, our our presence, to take on new clients, even with our clients, our current clients, older clients or old clients. I mean, that is key because people know the winning experience basically for live in-person events. So now it's key that we talk about, yeah, that's true, but we also have virtual options. We are still trying to figure out this you know, whole how do we network in the COVID-19 environment. I don't really have all the answers except email, telephone calls. You know, There are tools out there. We can send video messages that seems to get people's attention now, schedule a virtual call. But it really is, it's different. Mm-hmm. But before, networking, networking will always be key. But before COVID-19, it wasn't as difficult. I'll just say that. You have to be creative. It's, it takes creativity to get in front of someone. It just takes now a different way of communicating and getting in front of an individual.
0: Well, listen, before you take off, give some words, you know, we've been talking about how we're coping with this whole COVID-19 with our businesses and how we're having to really sit down and change, you know, the way of doing business. So what kind of words of encouragement will you give other entrepreneurs that are trying to navigate and bounce back? You know, what will you say?
2: I would say hang in there, be open to new possibilities new options think about ways to do business different you know in some ways we when we've done things for a very long time we sort of get stuck and probably not even realize that we had stuck at doing things the same way and sometimes Uh we have to be forced to look at things different well this certainly is forcing a number of people to look at their business and see how they can pivot or uh, transition or reimagine um, how to do business. I mean, it has forced us to take a look at our delivery, like how we were delivering projects. And if we wanted to survive, we had to figure out a way to do it different. So more importantly, if you just got to hang in there and just be open to possibilities and partnering with other people, that makes you stronger. We are partnered with a, a production team that I had worked with in the past. So we, in March, we realized that neither one of us were, we were not going to be doing much work in 2020 if we didn't figure it out. So we decided to come together, create a path for us to work together, and that's what we had to do. So I would encourage people to stay focused, stay positive. You know, don't give up. It's not easy. It absolutely isn't easy. But if you believe in anything, you can make it happen. You just have to work hard. I feel like I've worked harder these last four or five months than I have in the last four or five years.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I work bet. all the
2: time now. I feel like I work all the time, but it's, but it's working on, you know, creating new opportunities. So, you know, you're going to reach out to 25 people and maybe two will call you back. Uh-huh. it's like every day you get up and you just like okay let me you know boots on the ground let's go let's get this work done yeah. but in opportunities like this so thank you for letting me tell the winning experience story and you know there could be someone listening to the podcast and say hey I need a virtual company mm-hmm. or I, I had this event that you know I want to do a hybrid event
1: mm-hmm.
2: so Absolutely. we are here yes we are yes yes years. the winning experience is here
0: Tell folks how they can get in touch with you virtually.
2: The easiest way is go to our website, thewinningexperience.com, and that's t h e w y n n i n g experience.com. You can email us at info at thewinningexperience.com, and you can also call us. So our contact phone number is three one two. 8003605 that's 3128003605 we're on instagram linkedin facebook twitter got a couple of different options to reach out
0: all right. So, D, you have anything else to say?
2: Right. No. Uh, like you said, you know, you never know. Someone on this, on our podcast, will, you know, might need I'm thinking to myself, what else can I do? You know, how can I partner with Allison and doing some things that I, that some other organizations that I'm involved with.
0: Yes, and we're so happy that you come and definitely the winning experience. You know, we talked earlier and we just made some dates. So we definitely going to be calling you, my sister. I appreciate you.
2: Well, you know I am always here for you ladies, and I'm so glad you called me to do the podcast.
0: Now, this ends our show, Dee. Do you have some tips that we should think about?
2: Well, yeah, it was, it's always fun having Allison Wynn on our show. You know, COVID has hit a lot of uh, businesses, and when you talk about parties and events, as she said, it's been doubly difficult for her but I enjoyed hearing her talk about the creative ways that she had of continuing her business that you have to now think outside the box, do some other things and not get depressed. And I really liked the way that she was encouraging other individuals who did event planning that you can't get depressed, can't get down like a lot of other corporations and businesses during this COVID situation. You got to, step back and see, okay, how can I make this work for me? And how can I work around this and think outside of the box? So it was
0: great. It was. And I like how she said, sometimes, you know, you got to think together with some of your folks that you collaborated with and and start a new path towards innovative things and creative things, even with partners, if you have to, that's what you got to do.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah, so I was glad that she came. She's a good friend of ours, right, Dee? <laughs> yes,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. One of our
1: besties.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And remember to get in touch with Allison Wynn, go to her website, thewinningexperience.com, or get in touch with her by email at info at the And as always, for more information, go to our website, www.VickiDoughFitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicky Doe is owner of Vicky Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicky by email at info at VickyDoeFitness.com.